What's happening, everybody? On today's show, a full preview of SEC Week 3. We get a few full-on conference games. We'll give you our picks, and are there any upsets brewing? And we'll give you the latest uh, updates regarding injuries and other news going on around the conference. Locked on SEC starts right now. You are Locked on SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And what's happening, everybody? Welcome into Locked on SEC. It's great to have you guys along. Uh, today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. That's why LinkedIn Jobs can help you find the right people for your team faster and for free. Go post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Chris Gordy. Thanks for making Locked on SEC your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, covering your team every day. We've got plenty to jump into. Let's do it. Let's go around the conference. Boots out to the right. Makes the handoff. What a catch. Around the conference. And we start with the biggest game of the week in the SEC. It is Florida versus Tennessee. Florida announcing Thursday morning that week three's SEC East matchup between the Gators and Tennessee officially sold out. We were in for a packed house down in Gainesville, and this is what the SEC is all about, one of the oldest rivalries in the conference. And uh, look, Florida didn't start off the the year on the right foot, losing to Utah, Uh, but you could argue Tennessee hasn't looked all that impressive. Nice week one win over Virginia, although they they were a little slow out of the gates, but this past week against Austin P. what was that, Tennessee? You're supposed to win that game a million to nothing, but uh, this should be a good one as uh, Tennessee will be looking for its first win in the Swamp since 2003, and Florida's path to victory uh, probably going to be a lot on their, lean a lot on their defense. Austin Armstrong coming in, running a little bit more aggressive defense, and of course that dominant run game, but uh, Josh Heupel, we know he likes to go fast, and Tennessee fans, they are going to be expecting an up-tempo offense, and big questions on you know, will Cooper Hayes come back at center? Sounding like that is going to happen. And uh, we know when he is in there and this offense is a humming, well, they can run three plays a minute. They are so, so fast. Last year, uh, Tennessee was very, very fast. But kind of interesting when you look at some of the advanced numbers out there, uh, some people putting out there, who plays fast and who plays slow in college football. Plays per minute data through week two, Tennessee. Right up there, running 3.1 plays per minute, followed by South Florida. Kind of ironic because Alex Golish was Tennessee's OC last year. He's now the head coach down in South Florida. They'll host Alabama this weekend. They run three plays a minute down in South Florida. Then it's TCU, Colorado State, and Texas Tech. So Tennessee, they go fast. They run a lot of plays. But last year, they they were very efficient with Hendon Hooker and crew. And this year... Not so much yet with Joe Milton. But uh, Brew McCoy, one of those big pieces, hoping to be a big factor this weekend down in the swamp. He was on with Andy Staples on On3 Sports this week. And uh, McCoy talking about, you know, what's different this year and uh, practicing with Joe Milton and 
Brew McCoy saying that he's been using the jugs machine a lot at practice. He said up to a five or a six, he's been putting the level up on the jugs machine. He said, which is just below, quote, breaking fingers. That's what you have to do. He said, I think we got it turned up about just like a threshold below breaking your fingers, probably a five or a six on the jugs. We always keep it high just to challenge ourselves, but definitely an emphasis on speed of the ball this year. And that's what you got to do when Joe Milton is throwing you the ball. He throws it hard. Those are fast, and we'll see how many big catches Brew McCoy will make this weekend down in the swap. Now, hype for the game. Billy Napier talking to the media this week. He said, look, it is a big week. It's Tennessee week. He said, I think we've done a ton relative to educating our players on this rivalry. He said, we did some work just educating them on the history and the magnitude of this game. He said, do you understand that this was the game at one point in college football relative to the SEC and the East? Certainly national championship picture for so many years. Gators starting quarterback Graham Mertz reiterated that, talking with reporters this week. He said, I wish you guys could see the video they put up there. It went back years in a short little 30, 45-second or 45-minute window. He said, you got a quick rundown on every game that's been played in this rivalry, and you want to embody the passion and everything that goes into it. Now, Josh Heupel, on the other side, he's taking the other approach. He said, look, what happened last year? And get alone a decade ago, said whatever happens during the course of a game in the previous play has nothing to do with what's happening next. So, again, two different approaches. Billy Napier embracing the history of this rivalry and, and everything that's gone into it. Josh Heupel saying, ah, what happened last year has nothing to do with this year. Now, Matt Baker over at the Tampa Bay Times, he calls this the biggest game of Billy Napier's head coaching career so far. He pointed out a few points here. He said the last Florida coach to lose back-to-back games to Tennessee was Ron Zook back in 03-04. He didn't make it through the end of the season. The last Florida coach to start with a similar rivalry drought was Charlie Pell, who began 0-2 against FSU and 0-3 against Georgia back in the late 70s, early 80s. A loss here would certainly turn up the pressure on Billy Napier. And... You know, the question would be, could he win one of those marquee games left on the schedule? But who would it be? Florida State? Georgia? Well, they look like national championship contenders. LSU? Okay, maybe they're not on that level, but that game's at Tiger Stadium. Florida is 1-6 and six away from the swamp so far under Billy Napier. So Tennessee, they got as good a shot of it as anybody, but linebacker uh, Scooby Williams for Florida, he said, this is their biggest challenge in continuing the legacy this week. Now, former Florida coach Dan Mullen, he was on the Matt Berry show this week talking about this matchup. Mullen said this is a huge game for Tennessee to go on the road and play at Florida. He said, now, Florida might not be where they were a couple of years ago, but they're still Florida. I love Dan Mullen getting in the dig there. They're not where they were when I was there running things, but uh, he did go on to say they are still going to be a good team. It's still the swamp on a Saturday night. He said for Florida on the flip end in the Billy Napier era, they are still wanting... I think for that first marquee win, and this would certainly be it for them and would be a great challenge for them. So we'll see if Florida can pull off the upset. We'll give you our pick in a little little bit. Meanwhile, over at Alabama, Nick Saban kind of putting retirement rumors to rest, starting up his weekly segment on the Pat McAfee show. Uh, Joined Pat McAfee on Thursday talking about the ever-changing college football world, and the 71-year-old coach says he feels great right now. Here was his quote. He said, it's kind of laughable 
I love what I'm doing. I'm focused on the challenge. I feel great right now. I love it. We've got lots of challenges this season, and I'm looking forward to it. And we are all in. So anybody hoping Nick Saban was going to retire soon? Uh, sounds like that's not happening. But Nick Saban asked about criticism this week. He said, look, people get upset that we get criticized. But why wouldn't we get criticized when we don't play well? He said, we didn't play good, and I'm responsible for that. In the real world, where you don't perform and you don't produce, you get criticized. So, interesting game this Saturday, 2.30 Central, 3.30 Eastern on ABC. Alabama heading to South Florida to play the Bulls. And a little background on this matchup. It was agreed to four years ago when current Alabama defensive analyst Charlie Strong, he was the head coach at USF. Uh, The contract details, according to AL.com, essentially amount to a a home-and-home series with an added-on discounted guarantee game. Uh, the first two years of the series, this year and next year, the home team will pay the visiting team $400,000. And then when they meet in Tuscaloosa in 2026, Alabama will play South Florida a million dollars. AAC refs will officiate this weekend's game at Raymond James Stadium. SEC officials will get the call next year. And uh, Nick Saban saying it's a good market for our fan base in Central Florida. I think it's all good, but I think it's only good if you play good. A few more tidbits here. Uh, Brian Kelly talking with the media Thursday evening on the health of his team as they head to Starkville to play Mississippi State. He said that uh, LSU tight end Mason Taylor and linebacker Omar Spates, um, a little bit questionable. He said on Monday, uh, both players are questionable against the Bulldogs. He said uh, Taylor will be a game-time decision. He said, I still think he's somewhere questionable. Uh, We're going to have to see him move around, see what he looks like. As far as linebacker Omar Spates, he said he's not as far ahead as Mason Taylor. He said, I'm less optimistic on him. So that's a big one. If LSU does not have Omar Spates in there trying to slow down and tackle Woody Marks, the Mississippi State linebacker, could be an issue. But kickoff for that one. Early game, 11 a.m. Central, noon Eastern, over on ESPN. All right, we'll get to more news going on around the conference in just a second. But thank you guys so much for making Locked on SEC your first listen every day. Coming up next, we got more tidbits going on around the conference. That's coming your way in just a sec. I want to remind you guys, this episode is brought to you by our friends over at LinkedIn Jobs. Look, these days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you got to go check out our friends at LinkedIn Jobs. They're going to help you find the right people for your team faster and for free. Look, you go there, you add your job to the website, you add the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile. That will spread the word that you're hiring. And they got simple tools on there like screening questions, making it easy for you to focus on the candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you want to hire or who you want to interview and then eventually hire. It is why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs, helping you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Go post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. Again, post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. linkedin.com slash college. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. 
from the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. along here, Locked On SEC. I want to remind you guys, college football season is here, and our Locked On crew kicking up our, our coverage every Friday with the Locked On College Football Kickoff Live show. Every Friday, 11 a.m. to 1 Eastern on every Locked On College YouTube channel. I got you covered previewing all the angles of all the matchups all weekend long, and um, including get a little preview from us, previewing some of the biggest games in the SEC. Again, uh, it's college football kickoff live every Friday from 11 a.m. Uh, to 1 Eastern on any Locked On College YouTube channel. You won't want to miss it. All right, let's kick back into it. we got plenty more news going on around the conference. we got to jump into as we get you set for SEC Week 3. Next up, we head out to Georgia. As uh, Joel Klatt from Fox Sports talking about Georgia this week, and he responded to a fan question about what the programs have done to earn their top rankings like Georgia and Michigan. And Clatt says the ranking process has to include a combination of factors and not just what the team has earned to this point. He said, doesn't it have to be kind of a combination of what we think they are and what they've earned? Because if it's just about what they've earned, then it's like Texas and Florida State should be number one and number two right now. And who's number three? Nobody? Colorado? Utah? He said, by the way, Colorado and Utah are the only two teams in the country that have played two Power 5 teams so far and are 2-0. and So shouldn't they be ranked number 3 and 4? He said, obviously not. So it doesn't have to be some combination of those two. He went on to say, you know, question of which teams would be likely to beat Georgia or Michigan if lining up against the Bulldogs and Wolverines this weekend. He said, my question would be like, who are you picking to beat Georgia this week? Can Texas beat Georgia? I don't know. Can anyone beat Michigan? He said, it just can't be about what you've earned, particularly in just the first two weeks of the season. I think he makes a good point. Like, look, Georgia's number one, and some people are going to go, well, who have they played? Look, a big part of it is what you thought of this team coming into the season and where you think they should be ranked. And uh, them and Michigan, their their schedules have not been great so far. But, uh, look, do you think they're good? That's why they're ranked so high as they are. All right, we got to get to a few other notes here. Uh, over in South Carolina, Shane Beamer and the Gamecocks. Tough road ahead for them as they will go to Sanford Stadium this weekend to take on number one Georgia. Bulldogs are 2-0, and scored 40 or more points in their first two games on his weekly radio show Thursday evening. Shane Beamer given an injury update for the Gamecocks. They will not have offensive lineman Marquis Anderson or edge rusher Jatias Greer Uh, Beamer declaring both players out for the contest along with running back Bradley Dunn. That said, DB Nick Emanwari and David Spaulding will be available. Beamer calling them 100%. Wide receiver Juice Wells will also be available. He's a good pairing with Xavier Leggett, who has been fantastic so far for the Gamecocks. He's been Spencer Rattler's number one target. One of the top receivers in the SEC so far, so... Uh, after Gamecock win in 2019, 
South Carolina has dropped the last three meetings against Georgia, including a 48-7 shellacking last year in Columbia. Gamecocks have given up 40 points to the Dogs in each of the last three games. Kickoff in Athens set for 3.30 Eastern and will be televised on CBS. Speaking of CBS, Gary Danielson entering his final season of calling games on CBS, the SEC on CBS. And uh, he was talking with reporters this week about a number of different topics. He was asked about the high-profile losses so far by LSU, Alabama, and Texas A&M. Uh, Danielson, not ready to call it a down year for the SEC, but he did say that the conference's chances of getting two teams in the playoff, eh, not so good right now because the ACC and Big 12 are winning some big games. He said the emergence of Georgia has given the conference strength, but it used to be that they've been able to hang their hat at some of those early September wins. These three losses are big, three bell cow programs in this conference, so I don't expect the SEC to get the benefit of the doubt and just get two teams in automatically into the playoff. All right, a few other notes. Over at Auburn, they had that nice road win over Cal over the weekend, but it wasn't all that pretty. And throughout this offseason, one of the biggest storylines for Auburn has been quarterback. According to AL.com, Hugh Freeze, still hopeful that quarterback Peyton Thorne will pick things up and improve as their QB1, but... Both Robbie Astrid and Holden Gariner still in the mix. Hugh Freeze saying this week, hopefully Peyton Thorne will start taking hold of that and showing and improving. But at the same time, Holden and Robbie are sure nipping at the heels, wanting their chance to get out there. I think these next few weeks will play out. We'll kind of know where we are. Auburn did not attempt to pass in the third quarter against Cal. Now, Hugh Freeze on his Thursday night radio show assuring the Tiger faithful that it's not going to be musical chairs at quarterback. Auburn facing Samford and Jordan-Hare this Saturday. He said, look, there was a little too much in and out of the game last week with quarterbacks. I don't know that you'll see that again. As far as running backs go, Jarquez Hunter, he was the team's most heralded playmaker coming into the season. He did not play in the opener, but he rushed for 53 yards this past week. Tigers have a lot of backs back there. Hugh Freeze said, I'm excited to see what Jarquez will become, but he left a lot of yards out there this week. He's getting back into the flow of things. Uh, Ten points allowed by the Auburn defense at Cal. That matched the fewest the Tigers have given up to a Power 5 opponent since they beat Arkansas 34-3 back in 2018. Auburn will host Samford this Saturday. One player who may not be out there, Donovan Kaufman, junior safety, was a key player for them this past weekend. Not guaranteed to play. Recorded a forced fumble in both of this season's games. Was forced to leave the Cal game early. Hugh Freeze said uh, he was in concussion evaluation. He didn't practice earlier this week, but Hugh Freeze listing Donovan Kaufman as probable. And one more note before we get to our picks over at Ole Miss. Lane Kiffin being named in a lawsuit by defensive lineman DeSanto Rollins. The civil complaint filed Thursday claims that Rollins was suffering from mental health issues throughout 2022 and during the 2023 offseason. He claims he was not provided proper care for his mental health by the university. He also claims that Lane Kiffin maliciously and in blatant disregard for the rights and health of him verbally assaulted Rollins during a March 2023 meeting, ultimately kicking him off the team. According to Heather Dinich, Rollins is seeking $10 million in compensatory damages and $30 million in punitive damages. Uh, Ole Miss denied receiving the lawsuit, according to ESPN. They said, we've not received the lawsuit. 
DeSanto was never removed from the football team, remains on scholarship. He continues to have the opportunity to receive all of the resources and advantages that are afforded to student-athletes at Ole Miss. So definitely a story worth uh, keeping an eye on. Rollins did not speak with Kiffin um, until two weeks after the initial complaint. So definitely something we want to keep an eye on there, see if anything else comes out of that story. All right, thank you guys so much for making Locked on SEC your first listen every day. Coming up next, our official picks for SEC Week 3. We'll get to that in just a sec. Well, first, I want to remind you guys, this episode is brought to you by our friends over at FanDuel. Look, get ready for the NFL season with incredible offers. Look, we're into the NFL season with our friends at FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets back guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5, you will get $100 off the NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. So now... It's the best time to go join FanDuel. The app is easy to use. You can bet on everything from spreads to player props and much, much more. They got it all up there for you on the app. Just go visit FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel.com slash locked on. Kick off the NFL season right with an offer you don't want to miss. They are FanDuel. They are the official partner of the NFL. And again, make sure uh, you got FanDuel and it works in your state, but you can download the app, put it on your phone, and take advantage of all those great offers. One more time, that website, fanduel.com slash locked on is the place to go to get all those great sign-up bonuses. We're along here, locked on SEC, and man, we got plenty to get into. We got so many good games happening this weekend. We got some not so great games. I get it. Uh, everybody complaining about the week three slate. I like the week three slate. I think even some of the games in the SEC that are expected to be blowouts are not the best. So let's jump into it. Let's preview some of these matchups. Matchup breakdowns. And we'll start with well, first off, one and one Samford. At 2-0 Auburn, there is no line on that game, but uh, quarterback will be the main thing we're keeping an eye on there. Let's see if Peyton Thorne bounces back, looks good. Also, want to see running back Jarquez Hunter get going. He had just, like we said, 11 rushes for 53 yards in his season debut at Cal. So that one we don't have a line on, but other ones we got lines on. We're going to make some picks here. 2-0 UL Monroe is at 1-1 Texas A&M. The Aggies, 36.5-point home favorites. I get it. They just lost big on the road at Miami. What are they doing being 36-and-a-half-point favorites? Well, the Warhawks, they beat Army and Lamar in their first two games, but they haven't scored many points. The Aggies will score a ton in this one. This has the feel of like a 45-3 a to three type game. So give me Texas A&M minus the 36-and-a-half. I know it's a lot of points, but I think they cover. Next up, we got 1-1 one one Akron at Kentucky. Uh, Kentucky's 2-0. Kentucky, a 25-point home favorite. Look, Kentucky had to rally past FCS foe Eastern Kentucky last week, 28-17. to uh, They're they wanting a big, strong effort before they get into conference play. They head to Vanderbilt next week. Akron coming off a 24-21 win at Morgan State. Uh, but Kentucky quarterback Devin Leary overcoming an early interception to deliver his best outing in just his second game with the Wildcats. Marked the ninth time the former NC State transfer has thrown for four touchdowns, tied a career high. Kentucky now, like uh, 
wants to score regularly in this one and get out of the SEC basement. They just have seven offensive touchdowns so far through two weeks. Kentucky did get five votes in this week's AP Top 25 poll. They will celebrate Kroger Field's 50th anniversary during uh, the contest. And uh, OC Liam Cohen will be with the team on Saturday after that medical episode last Sunday required overnight hospitalization. So give me Kentucky minus the 25. I think they will cover it against Akron. Next up, we got 2-1 Vanderbilt at 1-1 UNLV. Vanderbilt a a 4.5-point road favorite. And I know. In recent years, when has Vandy been a road favorite and covered? Uh, Vanderbilt wraps up the non-conference portion of their schedule with this game against Barry Odom's squad. A win is a must if Vandy wants to try to get to bowl eligibility this year. Eight straight SEC games to finish off the year. But A.J. Swan leads the SEC and is fourth in the FBS with eight touchdown passes. He ranks fifth with 766 yards passing. Big reason why fourth-year wideout Will Shepard. He is A.J. Swan's favorite go-to target with at least two touchdown catches in each of his first three games. Keep in mind, Vandy played week zero against Hawaii. But Will Shepard leads the FBS level with six touchdown catchers. He's the first Vanderbilt player since at least 1996 with three straight games with two or more touchdown catches. He's the SEC's fifth player with three consecutive games with multiple touchdown catches in the same season since 2019. Joining the likes of Jamar Chase, Jalen Hyatt, Devontae Smith. Those are all good players. Uh, Vandy special teams is something to keep an eye on. They have a kickoff return for a touchdown this year. They've blocked two punts and uh, one recovered for a safety. One more guy to keep an eye on. Vandy freshman wide receiver London Humphreys. Ranked sixth nationally. Leads the SEC. Averaging 27 yards per catch. UNLV though. They have won five of their past seven games at home. We're going Vandy minus the four and a half. I know. Let's all get crazy, folks. We're taking Vandy minus points on the road. What are we doing? But this is one Vandy has to win. All right. Uh, Number 10, Alabama is at South Florida. Bama, a 33-point road favorite. What has South Florida done? Well, the Bulls lost to Western Kentucky in week one. uh, But they got some things going for them. USF quarterback Byron Brown has been sacked 11 times already. That's not great. But can Bama win by five touchdowns, right? They're 33-point favorites. Uh, South Florida has almost 500 yards rushing on the season. That's pretty good. You might recognize former Florida running back Naquan Wright. Well, he's now in the backfield for South Florida. So he's a name you'll recognize. But I just feel like Bama, they want to bounce back after that loss to to, uh, Texas last week. I know they're technically on the road. But I think a lot of Alabama fans will make this trip over to Orlando. Give me Alabama. Minus the points. I say Orlando, wherever USF is. Give me Bama minus the 33. We're going to take them to cover. Win by five touchdowns. Uh, Next up, we got 2-0 BYU at 2-0 Arkansas. The first opponents Arkansas's face were hardly the kind that uh, you're going to get excited about. But another win Saturday over BYU will have Arkansas fans feeling pretty good as they head into SEC play with Texas A&M looming very soon. Uh, BYU scored 41 points against Southern Utah last week, but despite that, they're ranked 111th in FBS in total offense, averaging just over 325 yards a game. Arkansas's defense has not allowed a touchdown yet, and they're allowing just 245 yards per game. That is 18th best in the country. D.C. Travis Williams doing a good job. Uh, K.J. Jefferson, he needs to carry the load this week. Obviously, Rocket Sanders out another week here in the backfield. 
But KJ Jefferson looking for him to be turned loose. Dan Enos, what's going on here? He has just under 400 yards passing and only 59 yards rushing through two games. Arkansas DN Trajan Jeffcoat named SEC Defensive Player of the Week after that game against Kent State last week. Uh, junior running back A.J. Green expected to get a lot of the bulk of the carries with Rocket Sanders out. I'm taking Arkansas minus the eight. Look, this is a game Arkansas a year ago went on the road and won at BYU. I think Arkansas at home wins this game and covers the eight points against BYU. Next up, number 15, Kansas State. They are at 2-0 Mizzou. Kansas State, a four-point road favorite. Kansas State made quick work out of Missouri a year ago when Brady Cook struggled through the air. The ground game couldn't get anything going, and Kansas State ran a, away with this one, 40-12, in a rainstorm. But the weather figures to be a whole lot better this Saturday in Como. Kansas State has carried some momentum from that Big 12 championship into this season. Um, running a rough shot over Southeast Missouri and Troy. Mizzou, meanwhile, had an easy opening win against South Dakota. Struggled to find a win last week against Middle Tennessee State that they won 23-19. Kansas State O-lineman Christian Duffy practiced earlier in the week, but Chris Kleiman not sure if he will play this week. Duffy has started 35 straight games at offensive tackle. Now, Eli Drinkwitz, questions about his offense. He did give up play-calling duties midway through last year. He hired Kirby Moore this past offseason to run the offense. Drinkwitz reiterating this week that Kirby is calling the plays on offense. He's staying out of it. Uh, Marcellus Johnson expected to start for Mizzou on that offensive line, making some tweaks there. Brady Cook was sacked once by South Dakota and four times last week against Middle Tennessee, Tennessee State. They have got to protect him. Uh, Kansas State linebacker Austin Moore ranks fourth nationally with five tackles for loss. And defensive end Khalid Duke tied for fifth nationally with three sacks through two games. So uh, I'm going to take Kansas State minus the four. It, it just feels like a tough one for Missouri. Um, sorry, Mizzou. I want to pick you at home, but I think Kansas State gets the road victory. Uh, next up, we got one and one Georgia Tech at number 17, Ole Miss. Ole Miss, an 18-point favorite uh, at home. Ole Miss coming off a tough road matchup against Tulane. Georgia Tech, they got a nice offense. The former AM quarterback Haynes King running the show. They scored 34 points week one in that loss against Louisville. Then they scored 48 last week against South Carolina State, one of the ACC's best offenses through two weeks. That's Georgia Tech. Haynes King leads the ACC in total yards, and Georgia Tech fourth in the ACC in yards per game, averaging over 500 yards. Yellow Jackets second in passing offense, fifth in rushing offense. You combine the offense with the possibility of Ole Miss maybe looking ahead to the game against Alabama next week. Could be close. Ole Miss did hang 73 week one on Mercer, but their offense not as consistent last week against Tulane, rushing for just 89 yards on the ground, and that's with stud running back Quinchon Judkins. The Rebels were just 1 of 13 on third downs last week. Tulane dominated time of possession. 35 minutes to just 25 for, for Ole Miss. Jackson Dart threw an interception. Ole Miss is going to have to play much better this week, and I think they will. Give me Ole Miss minus the 18. All right, into some of the SEC games happening this weekend. SEC on SEC. Let's get 1-1 one one South Carolina at number 1 Georgia. South Carolina 27.5-point underdogs. After a pair of blowout victories over non-conference opponents, Georgia faces a tougher test in their SEC opener. They want to show that they've picked up right where they left off. For South Carolina, a chance to take a big step in the SEC East hierarchy. 
Gamecocks did knock off Georgia between the hedges in 2019. Bulldogs will have Spencer Rattler in their sights. He was sacked nine times in the opener against North Carolina. But Spencer Rattler's completed more than 83% of his passes for almost 700 yards and three touchdowns and could be a secondary missing Javon Bullard. He has been uh, uh, held out much of this week with an ankle injury. Xavier Leggett, Spencer Rattler's favorite receiver, has 15 receptions for almost 300 yards, almost 20 yards per catch he's averaging. Gamecocks have struggled to run the football, but if they can give Rattler time to throw, look, Georgia's only got one sack on the season so far. We talked about UNC putting up nine on South Carolina in week one. What can they do? Can they get after Rattler? Uh, quarterback Carson Beck, he has turned in some uh, decent performances so far, but a step up in competition this week. Georgia's on a 19-game winning streak, a school record, and has won 20 straight at Sanford Stadium since that setback to the Gamecocks four years ago. Bulldogs' last loss in an SEC regular season game was a 44-28 setback to Florida back on October 7th, 2020. I like, Georgia, I like Georgia to win. I like South Carolina to cover the 27 and a half. Four touchdowns? Look, I think Georgia wins by like 10 or 14, even 20. But 27 and a half is too many points. Give me South Carolina to cover. All right, next up, we got number 14, LSU at 2-0 Mississippi State. State, nine and a half point home underdogs. LSU, they rebounded from their opening season loss to Florida State. With a 72-10 shellacking of Grambling, Mississippi State, they had to survive overtime a week ago to beat Arizona. LSU last week rolling up over 600 yards of offense against Grambling. They scored touchdowns on their first 10 possessions, five rushing, five passing. LSU leads the SEC at 540 yards per game. They are second in rushing at over 200 yards a game. Mississippi State, they rank in the middle of several SEC defensive categories, but they held Arizona to just 91 yards rushing and intercepted them not once, not twice, not three times, but four times with five takeaways a week ago. Jaden Daniels for LSU coming off a career-best five touchdown passes against Grambling. Third time he has accounted for five touchdowns in his LSU career. He leads the SEC in total offense at 350 yards, 54 yards per game. Uh, Jaquavius Marks, Woody Marks for Mississippi State. He's become a rushing threat. Leads the SEC with 250 yards on the ground, three rushing touchdowns. His first 100-yard games in consecutive weeks. By the way, Marks' next catch will make him Mississippi State's career leader with 200, 12th all-time in the SEC. LSU has won 20 of 23 in this matchup, including the last two. Running back Logan Diggs ran for 115 yards last year in his LSU debut. He's the first LSU running back to do that since Cecil Collins did it back in 1997. Malik Neighbors, he has a 20-game reception streak. He's tied for eighth with 11 catches for 154 yards a year after leading SEC receivers. Uh, Mississippi State, their linebacker, Jet Johnson, another imposing performance last week with 11 tackles and two interceptions. He has eight games with 10-plus stops in his career, currently ranks ninth in the SEC with 17 of those. The Bulldogs, like we said, forced takeaways on Arizona's first four possessions. I'm going to take LSU to win, but I like Mississippi State plus the 9.5. That's just too many points. Close game. But LSU wins. And that brings us to our game of the week. Number 11, Tennessee at 1-1 one and one Florida. Florida six-point home underdogs. Tennessee began the week with a players-only meeting. A lot of topics from focus on Florida to flushing the Austin P film from last week. And another one that should have been mentioned, finding a way to end a decade-long skid in the swamp. 
really two decade longs uh, that they have not won in the swamp. The Vols have their best chance to beat Florida, who is presumably rebuilding. First chance of winning Gainesville for the first time since 2003, an end day losing streak that started with Philip Fulmer and spans the likes of Lane Kiffin, Derek Dooley, Butch Jones, Jeremy Pruitt, and Josh Heupel. The Vols have dropped nine in a row at Florida Field, including two gut wrenchers in which the Gators scored on 63-yard pass plays. Will Greer to Antonio Callaway and Felipe Franks to Tyree Cleveland. Again, nine in a row at Florida Field in this series. The Vols won 38-33 in Knoxville last year, but the Gators scored twice in the final five minutes to make it much closer. Tennessee can win consecutive games in this rivalry for the first time since 03-04. Florida spent much of the week trying to prepare for Tennessee's up-tempo offense, led by Joe Milton. Milton and Florida quarterback Graham Mertz, they faced off before in the Big Ten when Milton was Michigan's starter back in 2020. The Wolverines hosted Wisconsin. Graham Mertz was the starter, and Mertz and Wisconsin won that game 49-11. to Both teams could get their starting centers back. Word is Cooper Mays will be back for Tennessee. Kingsley Aguacan will be back for Florida. Aguacan started 26 games at center the last two seasons. A player Trevor ATN calls the field general when it comes to the offensive line. I like Florida plus the six. And if you want to get you want to get spicy, let's take the Gators in the straight up upset. Florida beats Tennessee down in the swamp. Let's get crazy, folks. It's SEC week three. We're gonna get we're gonna get nuts so. Let's take Florida in the home upset. Don't make me regret it. Tennessee, go make me regret it. I'll be fine if Joe Milton wins down in the swamp and uh, gets their first win for the Vols in 20 years down there. Thank you guys so much for making Locked on SEC your first listen every day. Shout out to our everydayers for checking us out. And uh, we'll be back Monday. We'll have our winners and losers of the weekend. You guys have a great weekend. Enjoy all the action. Not the best slate, I get it, but some good SEC matchups. We'll see who impresses and who depresses us. We'll talk about it all on Monday right here on the only place to talk SEC football daily. That is Locked on SEC. I'm Chris Gordy. Again, have a great weekend, everybody. We'll talk to you guys on Monday. Come on, come on back and see us.